Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. The message behind the Grief Gang is to normalize the topic of conversation that is grief. People living with grief can often feel ashamed, isolated and alone. This podcast was created to break those taboos after I myself experienced all of those feelings after the loss of my mum in 2016. I decided enough was enough and we need to talk about this. You'll hear on this podcast an array of stories and experiences, some being my own and some being fantastic guest episodes and their incredible stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but I hope above all, I hope you'll learn. I hope you'll learn that you are not alone in your grief journey, that you have a voice and it should be heard, that you and your grief matter. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Happy listening. Well, Natalie, you are here today on the Grief Gang podcast and it has been so long overdue and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to getting into this conversation with you. I um, I feel like I discovered you, yeah, kind of, yeah, in the uh, when Mixed Other was kind of coming to fruition and following through it there and a lot of my friends kind of put you on my radar and stuff like that and I was like, okay. Yeah. And I think you started commenting on some things. I was like, oh, he's this lovely girl. I was like, oh, I was like, she's stunning. Love her. Um. And then I listened to you, yeah, on, on Carrie Ad. And I was, yeah. And I loved it. And yeah. I just thought, and then we obviously spoke a bit well, more. And we're here today. I'm so excited to be on the podcast with you. Like I've wanted, this is why I've been like trying to get in there. This is me commenting on your post, like, hi, like <laughs> me, no, it's me. Can I be part of the gang, please? Um, so yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad we're getting to chat. And I just, you know, I, I, as I said before we hit record, I just, I just love, love your content. Your Instagram is an absolute lifeline and is something that has been a big part of my grief journey. So I feel properly honored to be to be on the podcast today <laughs> oh Natalie thank you so much and we've, we've got so much to go into because I want to know all things about your wonderful dad Tony Morris and without further ado could you introduce yeah the wonderful Tony Morris and a little bit more, oh, more about gosh, yourself really yeah. about yourself oh, really well. yeah, I'm, I'm saying Tony's yeah. taking the show here <laughs> <laughs> as it should be as he should yeah. as he should um so yeah obviously I'm I'm Natalie um I'm a journalist and author um and I yeah I'll I'll talk I'll talk to you about my dad I, I love my dad <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's all you need to know about me um <laughs> but yeah so so I lost my dad uh in August 2020 the first of August um in the middle of the pandemic in the middle of that first year of the pandemic everything had turned upside down everything was completely crazy in in the in the world on the planet and then my little life got completely turned upside down within that so there Mm -hmm. was there was chaos within chaos and Mm -hmm. it felt like nothing it still feels like there's chaos within chaos I feel like everything from you know the moment 
the clock ticked over into 2020 and yeah. everything just started going sideways really mm-hmm. um and it feels like I'm still scrambling to to get yeah. things kind of back to a recognizable place I'm mm-hmm. like what is everything anymore I don't really know and I'm still reeling from that it's you know at this point when this comes out it'll be just over two years um unbelievable to me how how on earth how does time work how like does that? time that work? Is yeah yeah completely wild like I cannot <laughs> understand that at all in the slightest um so yeah he 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 died of of cancer um kidney cancer completely um out of the blue essentially uh he was only ill for about well in total about a year with everything but mm-hmm. only really ill uh for a couple of months towards the end um he was 57 um incredibly healthy incredibly sporty full of life just something that none of us ever expected Mm -hmm. to to happen um so yeah it completely just pulled the rug out from from Mm. under our whole lives and and me and my you know for me and my little sister and my mum we were quite a small family unit and it's just to have one of our four taken away was suddenly you know in a in a very different space than than we used to and re- re-establishing what our family is so yeah it's been a whirlwind it's been an absolute whirlwind and to touch back on kind of yeah so yeah you, I said you lost dad in of of August of 2020 and kind of that's that's quite a really quick from I say diagnosis into death and then within that what what did those months look like of okay when dad was feeling really poorly so dad was quite mirroring then of the lockdown and his decline through those really intense months of the pandemic so what was that like for 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 the three of you like were you able to be with dad was he at home it was utterly surreal and I think we we were we were the whole time that he was ill we were basically playing catch-up um because it was just progressing quicker than anybody expected mm-hmm. and kind of early on it was all very positive um it was all very this is the plan um you know he's going to have this treatment and this treatment he's really young he's really healthy he's got incredible odds you know it's going to be basically if we do this this and this it'll probably be okay and we we've, we've definitely got a lot of time I don't even think we were even mm. thinking in terms of time we were just thinking okay he'll go through this treatment and then he'll be better like we, we it wasn't even on our radar for probably you know the first six months he had surgery um you know to to get rid of the the tumor on his, that they found on his kidney and then he was like recovering from that and and then it it all just sped up and it was like this snowball and all of a sudden all of a sudden the treatment wasn't working all of a sudden he was losing a lot of weight. He was having more pains. He kept having yeah. to go to hospital. Um, and we just, we were, we were just playing catch up. We, we didn't, um, we, we were just like unable to keep up with the progression of the illness and the doctors were in the same boat. I think they were playing catch up as well. They were, it was very reactive to the cancer, which turned out to be mm. incredibly aggressive and incredibly fast moving. And we just we just weren't able to ever really, I don't think anyone at any point properly had a handle on it, properly had like a, a, a any kind of treatment that was really ever going to um to slow it down. It was it was just too quick. Um so in those months, it was it was that hot summer, it was that hot summer of lockdown yeah. where everyone was going on walks, we were all in the park, we were all kind of adjusting to this new way of life. Everyone was on Zoom for the first time. Everyone mm-hmm. was doing house party. It was that far back, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we were all kind of doing doing all of this. And I was um, I was in London. My family's in Manchester. Um, and, it, you know, we were, I was just constantly waiting by my phone for like updates and it was, everything was changing so quickly. But at the same time, I was trying to work. Um, I was like, do I need, when do I need to come home? And I remember there was this one moment, this turning point, where I got a phone call. Um, no, that's not right. He texted all of us, um, just saying that um, the immunotherapy that he was doing wasn't going to work anymore. He said the doctor put his hand on his shoulder, mm. and that was when he knew. But it got to a point where it was just untenable, and 
he was in hospital. It it wasn't going well. And I was just frantically calling the oncologists and the different nurses and trying to figure out because we couldn't even go to the hospital. I couldn't mm, we couldn't go exactly. there and see him because of because of the pandemic. So he was mm. just there calling me, saying he's in pain, saying he's not getting the right pain medication. I'm at home, oh. literally trying to get in touch with the right doctor trying to Mm. sort something out for him I don't know what I'm doing I've never been in this situation before I don't know how to talk to doctors about anything um so that was awful and then eventually they were like right we're gonna he's gonna go to the hospice um in in Bury. Mm -hmm. um just shout out to Bury Hospice because (laughs) wow hospices what I I didn't know know they existed Uh, and it's scary how many people don't know hospices exist yeah and and that it's, how it's yeah absolutely wild mm. so yeah so he went there um and initially it was going to be a kind of respite we're going to get him better we're going to get his pain medication under control and then he'll you know we'll we'll he'll get get him out get him home and then we'll start some more treatment and we'll do yeah. this and that didn't happen and mm. he was in the hospice for um I want to say six weeks mm. um, and that, yeah. And then he, he died there um, mm. after just declining incredibly quickly. Um, so yeah, that was that horrible summer yeah. of hell that mm. everyone, you know, people talk to me now and they're like, Oh God, remember the first lockdown? And everyone's always like, Oh, <sighs> it was, it was actually really nice. Wasn't it the first lockdown? Like it was all <laughs> sunny. We were all drinking tinnies in the park. Wow. Yeah. First lockdown. That was great. And I'm always like, mm, yeah. My dad died. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Love that. Love that lockdown. Wasn't the worst <laughs> six months of my life. Wasn't traumatizing yeah. and harrowing, deeply harrowing, but okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got the fondest memories and you're just, yeah. I'm just yeah. Like, I can't relate. I can't relate, babe. No, I wasn't having. I wasn't having many picnics in the park. No, I was. Um, I was losing my mind in in in, in the berry in the, hospice in the, in the garden of the of berry hospice. Uh, <laughs> going outside to to sit in the sun for ten minutes and then going back in and oh. dr- drinking drinking whiskey with my dad. At yeah, <laughs> at least like at least you do. did get a little tipple. Yeah, you oh, got yeah. A little tipple. oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, but well, that that I feel like is a really lovely way to segment into kind of like your dad and to talk a bit yeah. about him in, individually as a person. You know, saying having a whiskey with him while he's in hospice, like. And so, oh, obviously, yeah. Nestle, your dad, your dad is a gentleman named yeah, Tony Morris. And for some people who listen to this, that name will ring ring an absolute bell. Um, when I was speaking with my dad about it, I said, I said, oh, I'm interviewing Tony. He went, Oh my gosh, yeah, I remember Tony Morris oh. on the telly. And so, oh. so that was. And then when I looked, and I was like, Yes. I remember seeing Tony on the telly sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, so tell us a little bit into like dad's profession. And yeah. then and then I've got a question for you. Well, you can tell the listeners of dad's profession and I want to ask you what it is like to lose somebody who mm. is in the public eye and who was so adorned and so celebrated mm. and so loved and what that mm. is like to obviously have the most the most intimate relationship with him and yeah. to, and to see this outpouring of not you know it's just love and it's support but it's like like I said that's my dad and like <laughs> I, I just yeah. want to keep this for me and my sister and my <laughs> yeah. mom so yeah yeah 100% well so uh yeah as you've referred to dad um was a a journalist and a presenter um more more of a presenter mm. um to be honest he was he was um the lead presenter of granada reports on itv um in the northwest uh for 17 years so that's the thing Amazing. he did for the longest time <laughs> so he was like you know a face in the northwest like we you know we'd go out walking everybody everybody knew him everyone would yeah. be saying hi tony like what, why aren't you on the news what's the news tonight <laughs> and they you know come up to him acting like they're his mates because because um he, they, you know, they'd watch him every night with their dinner. Like it was, that was the whole thing. Mm. Um, and you know, he's done, he's done a lot of other TV stuff in his, in his career as well. And yeah, he was a, he was a bit of a, a bit of a broadcasting legend to be Absolutely. honest. And, and so, so when he, when he died, it was, um, you know, he was, it was on the 10 o'clock news. It was, it was trending on Twitter. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, I, I tweeted it out and it got like 25, 30,000 retweets and yeah. I, I, you know, it was that was a shock to me. Not yeah. that I didn't think people loved him, no, but, but I didn't necessarily. Scale. Yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah, um, and it was wild. It was absolutely wild mm. because 
And and for me, I'm I'm very lucky that this is my first loss. Mm-hmm. I have my grandparents still. Like yeah. I haven't lost anyone. I haven't experienced grief before mm-hmm. um, on this direct level. And I'm mm-hmm. very, you know, I'm very thankful to have got to my 30s in, yeah. in that position. Yeah. That's a very lucky position to be in. There's a part of of who dad was mm-hmm. and how public it was that allowed me to probably get a lot more support than mm. if he hadn't been who he was like I had yeah. people reaching out for me who I hadn't seen since primary school people yeah. who I vaguely follow on Twitter mm-hmm. on social media messaging me because of who dad was I don't think yeah. that would have happened if if he wasn't who he was if he wasn't famous do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. And, I, and I wonder and I, and I don't know you know I like I say I have no frame of reference so I don't I think I, I think I valued a lot of that support mm. and I think I, I needed it yeah. um, and it did help. That's really interesting because I thought your first response would have been the like saying, oh, yeah, would have really liked the privacy. But I'm, I'm, I love that first answer. Yeah. Of just yeah. how it's of the bar is so high now. <laughs> That's what I mean. I, I honestly, God bless like, your mum touched him, you know, no time soon, but sorry, mum, you're not getting the Bible thick. <laughs> what I mean, I'm going to have to like go above and beyond and make sure it's equal because I'll feel so bad if it's not. Um, but I just think it's, yeah, it's funny because I think I, there, there have been moments and I think later on, mm. I, I was grateful to have, to have that wind down and to have that quiet times. Um, but I think in the moment it helped me, it helped that everybody knew it helped that everybody else was being sad. I was like, yes, Yes. everyone be sad. My world has ended. I want everyone to acknowledge that and know that Mm -hmm. and also be sad. So having all these strangers being like, Oh no, like this is awful. I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging. (laughs) Be sad with me. Yes, this is correct. Um, and it's almost, yeah, yeah, like a whole, because you know, that's one thing in grief all the time you know that's one of the biggest gripes and the most upsetting things for people is that when our world is falling apart we, yeah. we you know p- other people's ours but we really we really feel like we don't really see that other people's are falling apart I find that so interesting and then I suppose <laughs> really like but you kind of used to kind of always share I suppose with that do you, yeah, do you think you're always a bit used to just like sharing your dad you grew up sharing him yeah yeah a bit um and I think it's funny because I think both me and my sister, we'd always like pretend it was annoying yeah. and we'd be like, oh God, like, oh, we don't care. Like whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, right. Someone wants a picture with dad. <laughs> oh, but I, but like deep down, like we were so proud. Yeah. Like it was this deep, deep pride that he was mm. so loved and so respected. And it was a thrill that yeah. we loved him so much and he was ours, but that everybody else yeah. saw that and got to be like, oh, your dad's amazing. And then we'd yeah. be like, oh God, don't say that. But we'd be like, yeah, no. Yeah, he like, is. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's our dad. And yeah. almost like people love him, but you're like, he's our dad. But he's like, ours, he's exactly. our dad. Yeah. yeah. And I think we were, we were so, so, so proud of that. And um, it was a thrill to, mm. to get to share little bits of him and to get other people to see yeah. how mint he was and yeah. just at the time and everyone be like your dad's sick and I'd be like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he, really is. yeah he really is isn't he yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he'd be like yeah like I'm half of him like yeah like I, exactly. I, I'm sick too <laughs> exactly exactly like we're cool by association like yeah yes, like, all that rubs off on us so <laughs> Like, how many kids can say, like, when, you know, when, when you're in school, how many kids can say, oh, my, my dad will be on your telly tonight? <laughs> exactly. We loved it. My dad's going to be it. on your telly at 10 o'clock tonight <laughs> and your dad's just been in bed. <laughs> <laughs> It must have been exactly. so cool. But to yeah. go into what, so kind of, you know, we touched on there, dad was obviously a grafter. And yeah. so I wanted to ask you, what are some traits in yourself that you recognise that are from your dad, <laughs> both the good <laughs> and the bad? So I, yeah. I personally, I would say, I think you have adopted the graft, the graft gene from your dad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely. Also from my mum, to be fair to her. Oh, sorry, mum. You're, um, not, you're not lazy, yeah, don't worry. She's, she's definitely listening and she'll be like, uh, excuse me, that's 100% for me. No, like, because my mum's, it's funny because my mum is the, she's the academic one. Mm-hmm. She's the one who pushed me um, to work hard in school, to go to university, to get my master's. Like, yeah. she is the one who inspired me to do all of those things. Um and you know, my dad had he had two O levels to his name, so he yeah. was he was he was like hardworking in a in a very different way. Um, so it, there's yeah. definitely elements of both. Uh, but yeah, I think I went into journalism 
like as a direct result of thinking that my dad was the coolest thing in the world and wanting to do what he did. Yeah. Um, not necessarily consciously, but looking back, I'm like, mm. oh, right, I see what I did there. Like, I've just, <laughs> I've just copied him. I've just followed <laughs> directly in his footsteps. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I think I... I think we always, I always think we had a very similar personality in a lot of ways, a very mm. similar temperament. You know, we will avoid confrontation yeah. to the hilt. We um, like to, you know, <laughs> I think the one of the bad things is like not being able to have confrontation when it's needed yeah, and not yeah. being able to like say things. Like we both were terrible for holding grudges holding yeah. on to things being like I'm not gonna say it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hate this person for the rest of my life they'll never yeah. know but I will know <laughs> hating for the part. yeah yeah exactly so like and and my mom and my sister are the opposite of that yeah. like they will they have the ability to blow up and they have these vows mm-hmm. and they will if every, whatever they're feeling you're gonna know about you know it. when like, they're coming everyone's the room. gonna know yeah. everyone in the room knows if, it's, <laughs> if they're happy then everyone's happy if they're not happy then no one is yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. and and that's obviously like really annoying in some situations mm. but also really really you know healthy where you're at. Yeah, yeah exactly and like you know the ability to to let that out and I yeah. think both me and my dad were, were a bit more reserved a bit more um holding things in not wanting to like affect people around us too much often mm. at to, in our own to our own detriment yeah. I think so with that there that's just made me think of a question there so with you kind of saying that you and dad maybe be a bit more reluctant to share uh, would uh, you say that's kind of in like anger emotion or just kind of like any kind of emotion like really telling people how you feel what maybe that might look in telling people oh, I really love you so I wanted to ask kind of like in <laughs> in the moments of when dad was was really poorly and was dying mm. did those barriers come down and did you did you feel like you kind of broke that of like no, I'm I'm not going to hold back here and I'm going to tell my dad how much I love him. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I did tell him how much I love him. And we were never unable to say that. Like yeah. we said that we loved each other a yeah. lot in our lives. Like, and he, we weren't reserved in, in holding back that. Like it was, we yeah. were like very close. Mm. We spoke about everything. Nothing was ever off limits. I mm. spoke to him about my friendships, about boys, Mm. about my career. Like he was like a friend, a really close friend in many ways. So we were very close in that sense. But I think what held us back and held me back at the end was fear, was an an unwillingness to acknowledge it. I was like, if I say this, if I say this, this is it. If I'm like, I love you, you've done so much for me, you've been the best dad in the world, all the things I I wanted to say. I was like, but that means what? I'm I'm actually saying goodbye to you. Like, this is real. Like, I can't, and I can't do that. And I didn't want to, I don't want to almost want to like do you want to tempt fate yeah almost like even yeah, yeah. Like, like, tempting as much as it whatever you believe in of you know speaking things into existence and stuff like yeah. that of like okay well, if I tell him yeah he's best dad and or yeah it's okay to let go or anything like that you think oh no but fuck what if it actually does happen <laughs> exactly exactly and I and it was more like a I was trying to protect him yeah I was trying to protect myself I was it was a it was a kind of denial where mm-hmm. I was just like if I just if we just act normal maybe somehow it will all be okay. Mm-hmm. Even you saying then kind of, yeah, like you still feel a little bit like I still held some things back because, mm. you know, touching what you said of, okay, coming to the realisation that, okay, yeah, I do this in times of the essence, I must say this now, but mm-hmm. sometimes some things just can't come on the, off the tip of your tongue. It's just too, too painful. And it was I, so oh my hard. God. It was so painful. It was just hard. All I remember saying at my mum's bedside was just thank you. Yeah. That's all I could say. It was yeah. just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that was yeah. all my mouth would allow me. I could not yeah. I could not even muster to reel off all the things she had done for us and that we were thankful because my heart was just it was just shattered and you just Yeah. Oh, you just can't. It's, it's well I think I think that's where you have to you have to give yourself a break. Like yeah. be kind to yourself. Like I, I've beaten myself up so much about that whole period, like mm. tortured myself really with what ifs and yeah. everything I you know I've, I've my brain has been very cruel to me and, and told oh, me yeah. that everything I did yeah. was wrong I should yeah, have you're a piece of I shit you're more, this yeah, yeah God, literally yeah. like the way I've tortured myself about every single element of that like should I have and and even like sometimes listening to like other people's stories and I'm like oh my god like I didn't do that like should I have done that like yeah you know, I, I was listening to um, to one of well, I listened to every single one of Carrie Ad's um, Griefcast yeah, podcast, like love him, particularly love at the beginning. 
Um, and like so many people would talk about these kind of end of life moments. They were like, and so we just got a camp bed and we stayed in the hospice and I held his hand for three days and I never left the room. And I was like, oh, shit. oh my God, I didn't do that. Why didn't I do that? Why did I leave ever? Like, I can't believe there were times when I wasn't there because, and, um, you know, afterwards I'm like, but then I you have to apply context to what you were. You were in the middle of a pandemic, exactly. and it's, it's I know. yeah. You you just get them blinkers on. You just go, oh my god! But yeah. you have to look at the environment that you were in. Well, and then that, also, and yeah, also what yeah. he wanted. Exactly, and exactly. It's funny because in the moment, I was so clear. <laughs> I was so clear that every single decision we were making, every single thing we were doing, was with Dad in, in mind. mind. That's yeah. all. That's all we cared about for that entire six weeks of hell. Mm where our entire lives revolved around whatever he needed and whatever was best for him. Yeah. And we'd go and then, you know, cause we, he was still our dad. And like I said, he was private mm-hmm. and independent mm-hmm. and he didn't want us there for everything. And he didn't want and me and Becky were the only ones allowed in the hospice yeah. um, because of the pandemic. So he couldn't have his friends. He couldn't have my mum there. He couldn't have any family, no. his sister. So that was a lot of responsibility on us yeah. because if we weren't there, he was on his own. Yeah. So that was like hellish because, but he didn't want us there all the time. And it was, it was deeply exhausting yeah. being there um, because it, it just drained the life out of me in mm-hmm. a way that I've never experienced. That so we would come home from the hospice, and you never know what you're going to get. Some days would be yeah. good, and we'd be watching a movie, and he'd be chatty, and he'd be cool, and yeah. we'd stay for three hours, four hours, and mm. be like, ah, oh, yeah, this yeah. is like normal and great. Other days, he Died. could barely keep his eyes open. Yeah. He was in pain. There was some, and he, you could tell he didn't want us to be there, but he was trying. So we'd be like, okay, let's go. He doesn't, I can tell yeah. he doesn't want us in this moment. He needs to rest and mm-hmm. whatever. And that felt right. And we knew it at the time. Yeah. But then afterwards, mm. I'm like changing it in my brain. I'm like, no. Why you think, you oh, well, was your, that a cry for help? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just selfish. I just wanted to go home. I couldn't handle it. I just went home. And I'm like, that's actually, that isn't the truth of it. But that's mm. what my brain is telling me was the truth it's a cruel thing isn't it when you're you yeah. know your heart is so fucking achy and it is breaking <laughs> yeah. and then for your brain to go against you as well oh, like it do you not think i've got enough <laughs> like against me right now it's like my brain's turning on me as well yeah yeah i can't just time. be at peace in my mind yeah, for a blip yeah. for a blip yeah. oh god but yeah i think it's important to like to give yourself a break and yeah you know I've, the way i've been torturing myself about the words that i said to him and then you know hearing what you said to your mom Mm. if you'd said told me that I'd have been like like of course that's all you could say like oh my god that's amazing that you said that and but why so why am I able to be so kind to other people and then so horrible to myself the age old and then do you know even for me like I I was yeah I was and I was telling people oh don't worry but I think cool people were living in my head they thought geez Amber you need to give yourself a break yeah exactly exactly (laughs) oh but now I want to ask you about the book so before I go into my question that I want to ask you about with dad with the book can you tell the listeners about your wonderful book please yes absolutely um so my book is called mixed other it's my first book um Mm. it's a non-fiction um and it's an exploration of mixed identity so I spoke to loads of people all across the UK who all have mixed heritage essentially Mm. I'm mixed uh my dad was um black Jamaican his parents were Jamaican and my mum was white British um but that's not the only way to be mixed there are many different ways that you can be mixed so many yeah. nuances in this conversation often I think when we look at it and when we talk about it in mainstream spaces it gets very flattened it gets very oversimplified um and a lot of the experiences that exist within the mixed experience are are lost And I feel like your book, like it's, I'm not going to say like discredit, I've, I've not done research on it, but I feel like it's kind of one of it, one of its kind and kind of one of the first kind mm. of paving probably deep dives into exploring this. Well, I mean, yes, the book is, the book is based on um, research that has been ongoing over the past kind of like mm. three How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Decades, but there, yeah. there hasn't been much in the kind of wider, more commercial space that's accessible. Yeah. It's a lot of academic stuff that True. isn't necessarily available for people. Um, so this is why I wanted to kind of bring it out into the world, um, you know, so you can get it in waterstones and, and have a chat and um, make yeah. it a bit more accessible. So uh and it's been amazing I mean, like the like, cover itself back. like i can yeah like well I've, i think i've seen it a few times when i've gone into bookshops like it just stands out yeah. and you, you immediately gravitate to it and be like yeah mixed other like what's this and yeah it's, 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 it's yeah. beautiful the cover i love it it's gonna look yeah. amazing on your coffee table guys so get yeah. it just for that alone <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's beautiful on any if you bookshelf. don't care about the context just get it for <laughs> yeah, the you don't have to read it just just yeah. decorations pretty it looks um, it looks gorgeous <laughs> yeah i love it <laughs> <laughs> but my question for you is, yeah, your your dad knew that you were writing the book, so um, yes. you know, thankfully he was here when when you also got the deal and were able to tell him and yeah. how amazing that must have been. Like, <laughs> dad, like I'm really like I'm an author, I'm going to be. And kind oh, of how yeah. much were you able to discuss with him and share with him? And kind of did you really yeah. take deep dives with him? And uh, I read an interview before that you did of kind of how it was quite I, I say borderline an isolating experience because you know speaking to your mum about it. She didn't really have experience mm. of it and kind of your dad has obviously an element but of being othered but yeah in kind of sometimes a bit more intense ways and kind of doesn't understand yeah. like like I can imagine that if I sit down with my dad and be like I don't know I'm, I'm either too white or I'm too I'm too black and so I'm sometimes I'm stuck in the middle somewhere yeah you'd be like yeah. oh don't be silly I'm like no but it is it's, it is this is true <laughs> yeah. like and yeah, so yeah. it's it's confusing yeah I think it can be and I think that's that's exactly it that that kind of isolation that's something that a lot of the people I mm. spoke to in the books talk about because often when you're mixed you are you might be the only person in your family who looks like yeah. you do you might be the only person in your family who experiences being racialized in the way that you are because for me mm. I, I don't move through the world in the same way as my dad a black man would yeah. and I don't move through the world in the same way as as my mom a white woman does so yeah. like you say when you experience those you know I could talk to my dad about experiencing racism of course and yeah. we did that a lot and we talked about it in in media we talked about experiencing racism in, in newsrooms um, mm -hmm. as journalists and that was something we spoke about a lot but when you talk about the specific weird nuanced ways that you mm -hmm. are racialized when you're mixed um you know the the things like the fetishization that mm. the weird kind of um navigating of of privilege um mm. the feeling that you know questioning whether or not you can claim your blackness in certain situations mm. that's mm. something I've I've thought about before that's yeah. not necessarily something that my dad knows about well it isn't something yeah. he, he knew about so it would not go through his brain yeah exactly so it, it, there it is a different experience and that's why I wanted this book because you you know you do need somebody to talk to about it you need to know that those experiences are not just you they are reflected elsewhere that other people feel them um and I think that can be really helpful to to read about that but um but I did talk to my dad a mm. lot loads about the book yeah. oh my god he was so excited oh my <laughs> god my his colleagues have told me since like he would not shut up about it like oh. he was being my biggest publicist he was obsessed he was like she's an author <laughs> you don't need amazing. a PR you need your dad Tony yeah, Morris <laughs> exactly I don't need any PR it was he was gonna do all of it um so yeah he was absolutely buzzing like ridiculously over the moon mm. proud about, about the book and and so excited and we spoke we spoke so much about it um he read 
everything that I needed him to Amazing. read in the book yeah. because that was something I talk about him I talk about his parents I talk about his his life and yeah. I wanted him, I needed him to sign off on that of I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna put that out Fact in the world check, if he yeah. doesn't yeah if he doesn't agree <laughs> or if he's not happy to share it and uh, I was nervous I was nervous sending it to him because you know I talk about uh, it's not his story isn't my story to tell I can yeah. only tell my perspective of it and how it's impacted my life but mm-hmm. through him so in order to you know I, I wanted to make sure he was cool with it and it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's scary when you put your family on the page like that and then you're yeah. like please don't all hate me and disown me I'm sorry I've written about yeah. you all in my book yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's like uh, the vulnerability isn't it of yeah. like these you know potential stories and feelings that your dad you know he shared with you yeah that were once just in your family and now on a page and exactly. although it's you know sharing it someone else is going to recognize themselves on that page exactly exactly and that's scary mm. and it's a responsibility as a writer yeah, I'm like God, I, yeah. I, can't, I want to I want to do this justice I want to do your story justice and yeah. so anyway he he signed it all off he loved it whatever <laughs> he read he loved um there was only he didn't get to read the last couple of chapters because I was writing them after he died which was a madness yeah. um and yeah that was a crazy process I remember I called my editor like the day after he died and I was on deadline. I was like supposed to be giving oh, her the, I was supposed to be giving her the draft of the book in like in like like a month's time. Oh, fuck. And I was like, ah, I'm like, I'm yeah. broken. I'm a broken person. And she was like, my editor, amazing. Um, Marley, absolutely fantastic <laughs> editor, loved working with her. She um, she was like, oh my God, she was like, stop whatever you're doing, yeah. don't write another word. It doesn't matter. We'll push the date, whatever. This is not yeah. important. This is not important. And I was like, it is important. I'm finishing yeah. it. I was like, I I'm hitting to. that I'm hitting that deadline. I'm hitting yeah. the deadline. My dad knows yeah. when it's coming out. I have to get it out then. I'm doing it. Oh. So I just did it. I just carried on writing. I just, I just did it because I was like, I'm not stopping. And no. in a way, it helped because I could... I could throw myself into that and it was an incredible gave you structure a bit though didn't it yeah and yeah. kind of in a way you know so, so many people with us you know write, continue writing a book going back to work could, yeah getting up and parenting still after like yeah. these things that for some people they might think oh my god how did you get up after you did that and and, and continue and you think yeah. well actually it was a little bit of a saving grace to it, be honest. it was yeah. it was it was <laughs> the hardest thing though <laughs> this is so horrible was having to go back over the book and change all of the tenses because oh, I'd written the book. Fucking hell. <laughs> Can you imagine? So I'd written the book, I'd started it, I'd written most of the chapters when my dad was absolutely fine. And <sighs> there was no reason for me to think any otherwise. No, you know, I was like, oh, no. so my dad's like this, and this is my yeah. dad, and blah, 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 writing the book, happy, happy, happy. Have to go back. He was, <sighs> my dad used, oh my did this, God. he was this. And I was like, this is like, having to do go through and, and literally change every the tenses every single was absolutely like mad i'd be like can i not pass this along to someone else like <laughs> I, well yeah. i know maybe i should have done that but it was that was really really difficult. but then even that though natalie that can almost be like almost a bit part of almost like the solidifying like you know we can live in that denial of like yeah no but and then you know i you know i think so many people do remember when maybe that first couple of conversations when they did speak about them in like a past tense and really yeah. that was a poor dagger to the knife so 100%. having to sit and go through your own book and be like yeah edit edit edit, edit and you can imagine how three <laughs> yeah. hundreds of times saying this and being like okay like Okay, no, it's really real. My dad did die, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it did kind of get it into my head, but even now, I, I still struggle with tenses. Yeah, do you know I what I mean? I struggle with tenses. Yeah. I, don't, I don't always, sometimes I still use present just because yeah. I want to. It's not an accident. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. want to. I just oh, want to be I'm like... so with you. So I just want to be like, he is, he is this. Like, oh, my dad yeah. loves this show. Oh, he loves this. Like, yeah. oh, dad absolutely loves this movie. Yeah, why can't I yeah. say, I can say that. Why, why yeah. not? It's true. Like, he does love this movie. Like, he yeah. doesn't... I don't know. To me, you didn't I'm stop like, loving it. Yeah. No, I think that still is a fair way of talking about him, and, and it, oh, it just I helps me. It just helps yeah. me. So, and when you, you kind know. of naturally do, it and like when you kind of catch yourself after you've naturally spoken about them in present tense, and it's like, I think that can sometimes be a real shift in like how you're looking at your grief of like, oh shit, like I'm not actually. Yeah consciously making efforts to be like talk about they were here like I say yeah. my mum my is the greatest woman I've ever known because she yeah. she still is I'm still she yet is. to meet a woman who was who was greater than her so exactly. I, exactly. I can't I can't just feel like I was like who is now I'd be like actually no one because to me yeah. she still is exactly. so um, 
Yeah. Oh, I really love that. And so <laughs> I wanted to touch on in kind of, also you speak about in the book with dad and, and like identity yeah. and stuff like that. But I want to talk about like grieving and identity as well, because yes. as you touch on, you say your mum is white and your dad is black and it's, it's like myself and my mum died. But um, when you lose the person who is essentially, you know, I don't know what your relationship with the family members of your dad, but who is your main link, your direct links to yeah. this part of your lineage of your heritage. Yeah. You, you've lost dad, but then you've lost that connection as well to like, yes. I sit and I think, okay, right. Like, yeah. When, when my, I say, I say, if like, even that saying, if no, when my dad dies, cause I know everyone's yeah. buddy going to die. <laughs> um, like, I don't will then have the person to ask like about our family in the Caribbean and what it was like yeah. for them growing up in this small, small island, St. Vincent and like, yeah. fuck who? Do, and then I'm like, right, I need to ask these questions now. And so kind of wanted to ask yeah. you like, what was it like for you and your sister once losing dad and then kind of realizing, oh shit, I need to ask all these questions. Or yeah. even sometimes I know for some people it kind of comes up when um, they're maybe being asked to do something that requires them to trace back through history mm. i don't know let's say for health reasons or such yeah. yeah and so you have to go and you have to ask the person you're like oh i don't even really know where to begin with that yeah. or that part of part of my, my heritage um exactly. and so your dad's from jamaica and i if yeah. not correct me if i'm wrong there was a time it took you and your sister a while but you did go back to jamaica didn't you we went for the first time in january wow. <gasps> and it was incredible it was incredible i love jamaica <laughs> oh well so do i now I mean, you got, it's yeah. like unbelievable it's the best place in the world um yeah that was that was a that was a big big moment for us both um like everything now bittersweet because we were like obviously we should be here with dad like dad mm-hmm. should have brought us here but we went on our own i was really proud of us for doing that and for like um you know taking ownership of, of that part of our heritage and it's yeah. It is an interesting one for us because dad was very much kind of one of our only links to that side of our family because he was, he was actually, um, he was fostered. He was brought up by a white woman for most of his life and, um, was estranged from his, uh, for his parents who, who were both Jamaican, but they were, they were in his life, but only on the peripheries. So we never had those natural connections like with our grandparents or Mm. with that side of our family. It's something we've, we've kind of come to a lot later and we do now we have you know my dad's um my dad's half sister Sonia Mm. who's our auntie and she's amazing and we've got all this family in Manchester who we've you know actually my mum made massive strides in in making those connections and being like this is important to me I want my girls to have that yeah those connections and she she's been out there and she's been like I'm just gonna decide that I'm part of this family now and she's like yeah. joining this huge WhatsApp group with them and she's like hey guys like I'm coming to the I'm coming to the barbecues by the way so yeah, yeah, yeah. like she's just yeah. like involved and I love, love that it. um so but you know for most of our life and growing up we didn't have those natural connections so mm. um it has been something that we've had to ask about ourselves later and now without dad here I'm like oh right and you know I wrote an article um, in the Guardian recently, literally about this exact question about how do you mm. grieve um, when you lose your, you know, your link to that side yeah. of, your, of yourself, and um, you know, I think a a big part of it was about trying to find those connections for ourselves mm. after, like, like you know, retrospectively, and that and that's yeah. not an easy thing to do. Um, but it's felt it's felt amazing to do it, and yeah. I didn't expect to feel how I felt when we landed in Jamaica. Uh, like, did it feel really like a bit home-like? Very, and yeah. I, I, I'm very surprised by that because it's I kind so... of thought that was like a cheesy movie thing that doesn't actually no. happen in real life. I'm like, what? It's going to be a beach. It's going to be nice. Yeah, like okay, like obviously I'm not gonna, I'm gonna enjoy Jamaica. Like of course, like it's yeah. a lovely place to be. But I did not expect to genuinely be like oh this feels very right like it feels, feels very right familiar yeah. yes even little things like all of the people um in the hotel like the the Jamaican people who we, we interacted with yeah. just little things like they were like they were like oh Morris oh Morris that's a Jamaican name and yeah. we were like yeah 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 and you're like we're proud yeah. Jamaicans yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, just having that familiarity and that recognition. They were like, "Oh, right, so you're a Morris. Okay, you're one of us. You you belong here." And we were like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, we we do." And it feels yeah. like it. Just even um, your name, they don't know nothing else name. about you. Just your last name, but they know you're from yeah. you're from the motherland. Yeah, exactly. And just to see women who look like us um, mm. had our body types was a big deal for both of yeah. us. Um, that was something, and and to be 
we felt we felt beautiful there but not in a not in a fetishizing way yes yeah you know what I mean it felt it was very different it just felt like oh it was so like a powerful thing for both me and my sister and I think we we were like wow we have to come back here on like a regular basis because the feeling it gave us I was like this is this yeah. is special and yeah. just feels the feeling right. of home and no one can yeah. imagine. So was dad raised there at all? Or dad no, born here no. in the UK? He was, he yeah, was like born in the dad, UK. Yeah. yeah. They, so they were Windrush generation. They came yes. over, um, had, had my dad. And then it was, it was really hard. Like, you know, there were immigrants, um, yeah. in, in the UK in the sixties. We know what that must've been like. Absolutely God, yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, they were, you know, I think they worked as like a nurse and a, and a bus conductor or something like that. Mm. Um, and it was just really difficult. And I think like many people of that time, um, they, they put dad into the care system because it was, yeah. it was untenable. They, it was, it was just too difficult. Yeah. Um, and you know, my dad had a lot of resentment over that fact and you know never really reconnected with them and and never really found that relationship again for himself um so it was a really complicated relationship on that side of the family and something that we're still trying to I was going to say yeah like where is it now kind of do you do you know are your grandparents still alive do you know it's funny they uh, they they all all three that's of too them, personal for me to no, ask sorry <laughs> no 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 not all all three of them um died within a year of each other wow which is crazy so so we we actually went to dad's dad's funeral mm-hmm. about eight months before or maybe about a year before he died so your um, grandparents were kind of in your lives when dad very, was still here very peripherally uh, okay so and, kind and of dad not yeah. kind of let them in type yeah exactly which is understandable yeah understandable exactly and you know and I and I really pushed him to kind of make those connections and to kind of like forgive them essentially not yeah. necessarily for them but for him for because himself. I knew it yeah. I knew how hard it was for him and how God, much it yeah. how much it affected his life and you know his ability to connect to people like you know classic abandonment feelings as as is what happens um and thankfully he made his peace with his dad like soon before before he became unwell that they met up and he kind of made peace with him and also Mm. with his mom but so his dad passed away um and we we were all there at the funeral um Mm. all all together watching his dad be you know carried carried and and we didn't know me and my Mm. sister didn't know that in a year we'd be doing the same thing god yeah which is when I look back, I'm like, that's absolutely mad. Oh, it's just, and then, yeah. and his mum is his mum had moved. She was in Jamaica. She'd been back in Jamaica for a long time. Mm. Um, and we heard that she passed away a few months after dad. I think, you oh. know, maybe that was the final straw for her. Yeah. You know, to yeah. Losing her husband and then, and then her son as well. Yeah. Fascinating, isn't it? Isn't it kind of I know. all within the same year, but all they went a like a whole, a whole lifetime just without... All they've all just gone in the space of a year. And so when you think about that loss of connection, mm. it, it like, it's like a double hit for us. Cause we're like, Oh wow. They've all just literally been like wiped off the yeah. face of the planet yeah. within the space of a year. And kind of you and your sister have to go on this real quest now. Yeah. Like a continuous quest of, so when you were in Jamaica and you say, I, I love that feeling, you know, that you kind of felt like home. And yeah. I felt like the when we, I've been only to St. Vincent once and I was mm. about 13 years ago and I was really young. And yeah. I remember feeling so comfortable and just. Yeah, that's the word. 100%. Yeah, just comfortable. And I just got right in and my daddy's from from a really small village and like yeah. I was like yeah I was like 13 at the time maybe or something like that and like I was probably wow. a digital kid and just like <laughs> no, I didn't but I was like down playing in the river with the kids and doing like wow. the hand washing it up but and I think my mum my mum came as well my mum I think she was a bit like whose child is this like <laughs> this is like she's really got stuck into a village life and I wow. was like and it's just Love a simple that. way of life it's yeah. just a simple way of life and oh my god the way I cried when we left I was like wow. I felt like I was leaving home yeah and it's um it's fascinating but do you think like you'll um you'll continue to trace back through your yeah, heritage I think definitely um you know not in any kind of massive way it's not like no. I feel that there's a hole inside me or something I need yeah, to fill like you yeah. know I my family gave me everything I needed I don't have this you know the fact that we didn't have our grandparents for when we were growing up is no you can't miss what you didn't have exactly it's no major loss for us we're not like oh we you know we were pining for this thing that we never had this romantic idea of it but it it did feel good and 
it's also an interesting, I think it's a kind of a, I feel like I'm in a, it, it signals to me that I'm in a, a slightly different stage of my grief that I'm able to like think about grief in terms of identity yeah. and race and, and place mm-hmm. rather than just the, the raw fucking pain of it. Yeah. Like I, it feels like a, oh right, I'm in a, I'm in a slightly different headspace where I can go to Jamaica without having a breakdown about the yeah. fact that I'm not with my dad. Yeah. It, it hurts. But mm-hmm. it's also a night. We had a nice time. We drank yeah. some cocktails. We had a lovely time. Yeah. We were able to toast to dad and be like, "Yes, this, yes, dad, we're here. Look at us, like smashing it." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, this feels like I'm." It so it feels like a privileged kind of space to even be able to think about this mm-hmm. kind of stuff and be having these conversations where I'm talking about it in this. To be curious, kind of isn't it? To to be allowing yourself to be yeah. curious and to even be in a position where your brain is not fixated on first thing getting up in the morning of oh my exactly. god, I'm in utter pain. Of like, yeah, I'm actually curious. To think about yeah, how can how else is grief manifesting in my life? And yes. having yeah that that curious that curious George head on of like of yeah, just not being in that that fight or flight, and that's what 100%. happens. Yeah, and like finding a way to like to live with it, and yes. because because you have to. There's no yeah. like going through it to an end yeah. point you're just figuring no. out how it exists within you now and exactly yeah and it's, 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 I always say grief is like it's a constant project you're constantly yeah. working on it and whether you know it's very vibrantly working on it and consistent yeah. and like when it's really in your face and sometimes it is yeah the the trips to Jamaica and thinking how does this make me feel like I'm, exactly. this is new and I mean exactly. I wouldn't mind going to Jamaica experience my grief tell you that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, exactly. I'm, I'm going to Jamaica I'm grieving <laughs> Uh, this is my green process. Don't yeah, question it. Like, oh. <laughs> All I get is by going to Great Yarmouth to experience mine. I was there this weekend, blood. Yeah, it was bitter cold, not like Jamaica. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, Natalie, before we finish up, kind of yeah. what's been the most useful piece of advice someone has given you or that you saw that helped with you and your grief? That's a, a really good um, question. And I think. I, I'm still on the hunt for any and all advice. Yeah. So if anyone has any, <laughs> <laughs> please help me. Um, no, that's I, a perfectly good answer. Be like, I'm still looking. <laughs> I, like I am. Like uh, I, like you say, it's evolving, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's there's been advice for every stage so far, yeah. which is there's been a billion stages um, mm-hmm. of of what it's felt like, and and I think uh, I think I think for me that the best advice has been to find the people who, who, who really know, who really mm. know. Um, and I have clung to those people and like the more specific, the better. So like, if okay, you've lost someone. Cool. 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 Oh, you've lost your dad. Okay. Cool. Oh, what? Oh, we don't have cancer. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, like getting hot, cold, 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 hot, cold. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. Right. You are in my, you're like in my inner, inner, inner circle. Yeah. So, yeah. so like my, my best, my best friend, Donna, uh, she lost her dad in eerily similar circumstances oh, to God. me, uh, four years before I lost my dad. Um, and she has been my rock along yeah. with my, my sister and my mum, but she's been my rock in the, in the sense that she's, she knows like mm-hmm. deeply knows, mm-hmm. but isn't going through it at the same time. So she's able to help me yeah. in the most incredible way. And she will just listen to whenever I need to have a breakdown, I can yeah. tell her the absolutely mad fucked up things I think about <laughs> that I don't want to say to anybody else like you know just the weird stuff that you think about yeah. all these you know like I said before about the way that you torture yourself and yeah. with guilt and like doing the wrong things I will say to her I'll be like okay I did this this and this was that shit like was I good <laughs> enough like was that good and she's like yes this was good because blah and I did this and this is what helped me so yeah. finding those people who are like your inner circle who know mm-hmm. and it's hard when when you're our age we don't have that many people no. thankfully who are in this position like I, you yeah. know I have a few and there's going to be more obviously there's going to be more mm. people joining joining the dead dad club joining the dead yeah. parent clubs that's just how life works but at the moment and it, even more for you because you're you're even younger than I am mm. like there, there aren't going to be that many people yeah on our in our age group who, no. who know who know it's that not. Um, so I think, I think in that, like four years time, you, there'll be someone who looks to you, you'll be a, you, you'll be a donor I'll to be, someone else. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I want. I definitely yeah. am like, oh my God, I want to be that because 
I look back. Gonna be at, the godfather in grief. Literally, I want to. I want to impart this. I'm like, this has to be useful in some way. Like all this yes. pain has to be has to be for something. Surely, like, oh my god, please let it be at least useful. Yeah. Um, otherwise, what is the point? Um, but yeah, so I I want to I want to do that for somebody in the future because Donna's been incredible, and I look back at when her dad died, mm. and I was I was shit. I was useless. <laughs> We've, said, all, we've all been know, there. Every she, been there going, we were shit. I was so shit. I just didn't understand. I didn't get it. Mm. She says I wasn't. She'll, you know, she's like, you were great. Oh. You, were, you gave me what I needed. I'm like, I didn't. I know for yeah. a fact I did not because now I know what you needed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I did not do that for you. And I feel bad about that. And I oh. and I realized that I've been, I was shit with grief because everybody is until you know until what you it go. is. Until yeah. you know what it is. Yeah. So I want to, I, I want to be better. Um, it, well, I think I, I think I will. Ha- I will be better now yeah. because you know. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like no. I, I, le- <laughs> I think perfectly with that is you're still on the hunt, and that's perfectly yeah. okay. But <laughs> but for the last question, I wanted to ask you, Natalie, what does grieving well look like to you? Grieving well for me is, uh, and it harks back to what I said about the the traits that I share with my dad of struggling to to let the emotions out and struggling to show them. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, grieving well is when I allow the people in my life to help me and to see that it hurts because I think I spend a lot of my time performing fineness, performing being okay. And I, I hold it all in and then I go into the shower and I will like wail <laughs> when the water's running and no one can hear me. And then I come out and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like making everything, making sure I want everyone to think that I'm fine all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and that can be useful and it helps me get through my day. It helped yeah. me finish the book. It helped me yeah. go back to work. It helped me live. And that is useful. But also I need the other stuff. I need to be able to say, no, I'm having a shit day. I can't get out of bed today. I just want to cry all day and and not feel like a burden for doing yeah. that. Not feel bad. Not feel like, oh my God, everyone thinks I'm so annoying. Everyone thinks I'm still talking about this. Like get mm-hmm. over it, get over yourself. Um, if So I think for me, grieving well is allowing myself to do that in front of people and yeah. allowing people to help me <laughs> through it. That's amazing that's perfect giving yourself the permission to do it to grieve in front of others yeah well natalie thank you so much for being a guest here today on the grief gang can you tell the listeners where they can find you where they can support you is there another book coming out oh well (laughs) yeah gosh i'm supposed to be writing another book yes um so there will be there'll be details on that soon maybe um yes so you can find me on instagram and on twitter i am at nmoz um and i'll be on there chatting all things grief and mixed race identity and all sorts of other stuff so yeah go go check me out on there but thank you so much for having me it's been an amazing amazing chat it's been amazing thank you natalie so much take care grief gang bye Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it and it set your week off to a great start. Whether you've laughed a little, cried a little, I mean, I think crying is good for the soul, or you've resonated with something that was said, thank you for listening and spending time out of your day to do so. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and subscribe. In doing so, you're ensuring that lots more people get to find the Grief Gang podcast and hopefully help them too. If you're not already, check out The Grief Gang on social media platforms such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm most active on the Instagram page where I love, love, love to connect with you all. For now, take care and big, big love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.